Welcome to Momentum Church. I am uh, I'm here to bring a word. I'm a, an emotional guy, um, so we're going to try to get away from that a little bit. But I'm going to get into something that we all deal with. Um, first of all, Scripture is what we lead and and kind of walk through our life by the guide of it. So sometimes we get confused by it, or there's a mystery in it, or it might even be confusing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, is sometimes there's brokenness, and sometimes there's trouble, and tribulation, and there's trials. And each of us have circumstances in our life where that happens. However, we know in Scripture that we have hope in Jesus and that we can dive into his word to bring us strength and power. And I'm going to look at that now at John 16, 33. You may have heard it before. It's a very well-known verse, and it's one of my life verses. And this is what it says. This is out of the NIV translation. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Does he say that some of you might have trouble? Or does he say, well, only a select few are going to go through life without a single problem? I want to meet that person, by the way. Um, Trouble looks different for everybody. Trouble could be dealing with financial woes. Trouble could be dealing with addictions. Trouble could be marital issues. Trouble could be anxieties. Trouble could be work, job, our faith. Could trouble, I mean, could trouble be our faith? Absolutely. So what do we do? How do we, how do we work through trouble? And how do we... How do we feel strength and the hope that we hear in the music and the songs? By the way, praise band, they did a great job. Thank them. Um, But look at what we're singing. God's working. God's mending healing and healing hearts. He's mending hearts. We sing about it and we can watch it and work out. There's people in our lives that acted and do act still. I want to tell you a little story. Go with me for a second. Imagine eight-year-old little Johnny and 12-year-old little Elizabeth. They have uh, been in a home situation. We call it home, but it's a bit trying. Dad has now become absentee, not really around, don't know where he is. He doesn't call, doesn't talk to him. Mom, struggling, really bad with addictions and emotional problems, and really there's, there's not a lot of attention that these two children are getting. Excuse me. One way or another, that situation's pretty bad, but one way or another, it gets worse. And now somebody sees the situation and reports it to defects, and they end up coming in and taking the children. So now, we have eight-year-old little Johnny going over here to one house, maybe even in another county, and Elizabeth, 12-year-olds, going over here. Johnny, eight years old, really 
Not old enough to really understand what in the world's going on. And Elizabeth, 12, entering in or about to enter into a season that can be one of the most difficult seasons for a young lady. And now they're not only been taken from their what even remotely looks like a home, and they're placed in separate places where now they can't even be siblings together. They got to be somewhere else. Wow. I don't know about you, but that sounds like trouble. Now that, I mean, I've had some trouble in my life. So let's talk about that. Why? <coughs> um, <laughs> not all of us, not all of us are blessed with having a wonderful, clear, smoothing path. <laughs> During my career, which I will tell you, I have seen more than I could possibly want to even share with you. Matter of fact, I don't want to share with you. Some of the things I wish I could unsee, certainly. Certainly. But what I do know is that I was a, a firefighter. And I was proud. I mean, I was proud. I would go into the schools and teach. And I would put car seats in for families. And they would come back years later and thank me. And I'd go into schools and teach. And then the, I'd go into a grocery store. And four or five years later, and the kids would come up. And they'd go, hey, Firefighter George, you came to my kindergarten class. And I'd be, yeah, awesome. And I was like, cool. I was a Firefighter George. Yeah. So aspiring young man I, I trained very hard I educated myself and I got promoted and I led in a leadership position for a number of years smooth sailing smooth sailing now mind you we're getting calls two different things uh, I, I see the trouble that people get into I see the trouble that happens in their lives and then we're actually going to try to help mend that right one thing leads to another, and circumstances again change, and I end up getting demoted. So now, here I am, sitting in my kitchen floor, bawling my eyes out, looking up at my wife, and I said, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? If I, I mean, I loved being Firefighter George, and even Lieutenant George Williams. I was so proud. But that wasn't what was happening. What was happening was my identity had become that, and I loved it, but I didn't see that God was already working. <laughs> right? He was already working to show me that my identity should not have been in what I do, but my identity should have been in Christ Jesus. And you'll, you'll know. It's a good thing. I was actually doing that. <laughs> so I was serving and I was walking through my, my walk and it was, everything was good, but I had my priorities. They weren't adjusted properly. So my identity being in that instead of in this, well, God had to bring me to that trouble in order to actually redeem it. So I actually thought and felt that this was going to be the end of the world, but ended up in that pain and trial and in that struggle, man, I couldn't see. I couldn't see what he was doing. I couldn't feel that redemption. But I promise you that as I removed some of that from my life and I was able to see what he really wanted me to do, my goodness gracious, it was so much more joyful, so much more confidence I could come out and speak into other people's lives. 
And that's, that was, you know, a, a little small glimpse of, of trouble in my life. Um, but th- here's what happened. So we, we talk about the circle of friends that you might keep. Well, in doing youth ministry, my wife and I just said yes. We had no idea what that looked like. None. Did a ministry fair, and we ended up being uh, youth leaders for quite some time. Developed very very strong relationships in the Lord, cherished ones that I actually still have today, and they circled around me. They circled around me and supported me and encouraged me and loved on me and then lifted me up, and they've done so time and time again since then. What I say is that sometimes we look at things that happen in our life, and you don't even know that there's a mission going on, but there's a mission going on. So we're going to talk about some other things here in a minute about missions and things like that and then you're going to hear me say go send and support go send and support and we're going to we're going to echo that a little bit but for you all I want you to do is be obedient listening to what God might take you to so you can be in a mission world Pastor Ross and Amy, halfway across the globe. What about the guy that brought up the table this morning? So it doesn't mean that your mission has to be all the way across the world or in Andrews, North Carolina, building a fence around a yard or painting a house or in Kentucky at some mission field. You could be right here. Right here, right here. So there's actually work that can happen in our own backyards and or right next to us. What we have to do is be the person that picks up that phone call and says, hey, how you doing? And I promise you, (laughs) there's friends of mine that may even be watching right now that say, yeah, George was one heck of a mission. (laughs) 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 So, so, yeah, I get that, and they'll get that, but... (laughs) um, so I never imagined what God do, would do with me or how he would go uh, to with me or how he would use me and look at where I am now. I say pray for what God might lead you to, but be careful what you pray for. <laughs> because I prayed and look at me now. <laughs> and Ross, he said, um, you don't mind doing this on Facebook Live too, do you? And I went, What? <laughs> So anyway, funny stories, funny uh, things, but what, what I want you to see is obedience. So um, my daughter, who is here today, thank goodness, because she came to visit from Statesboro where she's going to school, and she has a very amazing skill of writing. And she took my Bible, and she actually wrote obedience on the side of it. I have a few Bibles at home, and um, I study sometimes. But what it helped me is a visualization, or a visual... I didn't even say that correctly, but you get it. Visualize, right? I see this. And it reminds me that I don't always do what I'm asked to do. I don't always say yes to the Lord. Wish I did. But sometimes I try to go my own way. And I don't know if you know this or not, but his plan is always greater than ours. We'll fall. And we'll end up in that trouble. We'll end up in a place that we're not actually being obedient. <clears throat> so I have to say that in our life, we can see things. And 
we have to remember that just being obedient is, is just say yes. Just, just say yes to whatever he's calling you, you individually to do. Um, Satan is manipulative. And he's a liar. So what he likes to do is he likes to take the word, which I told you that we can rest upon and our hope can come from, and he likes to turn that word inside out, go from one way or another, confuse us, take that mystery and make it confusing, contradictory. Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about that. God entrusted the Apostle Paul with that God-breathed word to write 13 books of the New Testament. So something that he says in Ephesians, we should then believe, right? Well, wait, hold on a minute. In James, the brother of Jesus, he says something. Well, goodness, we ought to be able to take that at its word as well. I mean, he would know. But what if those messages don't necessarily say the same thing? Well, Satan takes them, spins them up for us, and tries to uh, eliminate what's going on in there, the hope that we can find in them. Let's look at them. Ephesians <coughs> tells us very clearly, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith. There's no tally of how good you worked. There's no bonus extra. Oh, you're going to get extra money for serving in the nursery today. Nope, doesn't happen like that, right? And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Faith, grace, faith. That's it, right? We're saved by faith. Let's look at James. James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that you have faith but does not have works? Wait a minute, what is he saying? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the needs or the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay. Do we see the difference? James says, you've got to work. Paul says, just have faith. George says, it's the sum of Scripture. The Old Testament tells us one thing, and the New Testament tells us another. But you know what it is? It's all meshed together. Do you know our faith, if we're working out our salvation and we're living our faith out, guess what's going to come naturally? The works. The works, the, the now, the person serving in the ministry, God bless them. The, the people that are going to come up here and, and lead us in worship, amen. 7.30 this morning, I don't know if you knew that or not. They're here, worshiping, practicing, making sure that you're going to have an opportunity to come into the presence of the Lord through music, which I 
totally love. But, but what you see is you have to be active in it, right? We can't be static. We can't be still with our faith. I'm an illustration guy. I like to see. I like to touch things and learn from like doing. Like I would imagine being a firefighter, you, you don't necessarily learn how to do it immediately. I mean, it's trial by fire or trial. <laughs> so, so, but, but what you have to do is work it out. You got to figure it out. Okay, I said yes to being a firefighter. I'm going to learn how to do it. I did it. Ended up being all okay at it. So did I do the same thing in youth ministry. I had no idea what we were what to do, but we had strong leadership, an amazing youth pastor. And then we had other people that had already done it before, and we would we kind of learn from each other, right? But we didn't just stay still. You gotta move. Your faith has to be active. So that's where I'm gonna go to the illustration that I thought of that came to me in my quiet time, matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, and I am imaged. What I do when I don't do anything and I just stay static, which, oh, by the way, I've done. I've, I have not always lived this perfectly, I promise you. Promise you. But what I imagined was a pond, a very small one, where the water doesn't move very much. The current's not very, very moving. It's not clear. It's murky and muddy and, and algae build up on the, around the sides and mud doesn't represent anything that anyone want, would want to come to or, or even drink from, right? So what does Jesus tell us that we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be the living water, that our faith should actually bring people to, 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 to I want to be like that person who's marked differently. So let's look at a scripture. <laughs> John 7, 30... 7 through 39, it's pretty clear. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them within them. Living water, does that, is that the pond? The oxygen, it's coming out of it, it's literally just stagnant. Let's look at another picture. I used to go hiking with my kids, and quite often we would find streams in the mountains that were so clear, crystal clear, the current moving fast, the waters would be, I mean, the rocks in the water would be smooth and silk, and you'd want, you'd want to dip your hands in it from hiking, and you'd be thirsty. You just want to drink the water. Who are we? What, where are you? And I'm, I'm not calling anyone out or asking you to self-evaluate, but when I look at myself in the mirror, some days I feel like I'm that pond. Other days, I can tell you that I feel like that, that mountain stream. And I love those days. When, when I'm in the pond, oh, sucks. But, <laughs> but, but when, I, when I'm the stream, then I actually can feel Jesus moving me. Yes, others are wanting to come too because they're wanting to follow what I'm doing because they're seeing Jesus. But what he's doing to me is transforming me. We see it in Romans often where we, we, we talk about don't conform to the world but be transfer, transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? 
Right here. Right here. Okay. So, I don't want to tell you, uh, but there's people that have problems. And we sit around and sometimes we feel uh, in our life where, and, and this is a direct correlation of our pond and our stream, where we can be consumers or investors. We can be consuming and consuming and consuming and not investing. I recently went to a, uh, a, a gathering. It was a gala. And I, and I, anyway, I, I went. And I heard a young lady speak. And she said that kids will be who invests in them. And I was like, whoa. So the pimp, the gang leader, whoever's investing into those kids, those teens, that's who they're going to become. But if there's the church or if there's a loving family that's going to pour into the children, they're going to end up being them. So where is it in our life that we can act? Where is it in our life that we could listen to the Lord? Uh, we, we see very often that, excuse me, that there's places that we can serve. Uh, there's ways that you can serve. And I said I would say it more than one time, and I probably will again. Go, send, and support. So when Ross and Amy go across overseas, there's people that are actively praying for them. Right? So that's one way. There's people that can actually now send financially, put somebody on a mission field. God bless them too. And then there's also people that are going to say yes, and they're actually going to go to the mission field. Go send us support. Not everyone has the same role. However, all of us have a role. So we have to be able to listen. We have to be obedient. We have to be still and listen for God and say, where are you taking me? Pray, but listen. I'd like to uh, take the moment for you to actually listen to a video, if you don't mind. This. CEO of Goshen Valley. At Goshen, we're a family, a community dedicated to providing a loving and supportive environment for children in need. We believe that every child deserves a stable and nurturing home, and we work tirelessly to create that safe space. <coughs> Goshen is committed not only to finding placement, but finding the right home, the right balance, and the right set of services for the children in our care. Our thorough screening process ensures that foster parents are prepared to understand the unique challenges that fostering can bring and how we can meet those needs as a team. Ultimately, we want to work towards the best possible outcomes for both children and families. 
I'm Heather Sanders. And I'm Devin Sanders, and we've been fostering with Goshen for about four years now. And we've had 15 kids in our home that we've got to love on. What inspired us to um, foster with Goshen Valley was we knew that we always wanted to foster, so we just were trying to find someone to partner with with an agency. Goshen keeping siblings together is something that we definitely aligned with. As foster parents, our main job is to love, support, and keep these kids safe. And I feel like Goshen also does that for us. They love and they support us. My name is Destiny. I've been with Goshen for going on two years now. I came into the Goshen program as a teenager and they're helping me transition into adulthood. Goshen has made a huge impact on my life and my journey into adulthood. It has opened doors and shown me possibilities that I never thought was gonna be possible. I always love coming into the office with my team and telling them the little moments and the little accomplishments that I have and feeling the love, care, and support from my team each time I do. Hi, my name is Kevin Scott and I head up the foster parent recruitment efforts here at Goshen Valley. And at Goshen, we know firsthand how difficult it can be to get answers to questions specific to you and your family situation when considering becoming foster parents. We understand the gravity of your decision and we are here to walk hand in hand with you and your family through the entire process. At Goshen, all foster parents go through multiple evidence-based parental training courses. We know that through investing in the highest quality training for our foster parents, we will in return see some of the highest quality outcomes to match. The impact Goshen foster parents have on a child's life is immeasurable. We stand ready to support you on your journey into foster care. So I, uh, I, I retired from the fire service in January. And after 32 years, I, I said, uh, I'd, I'm going to retire. But I, I needed a purpose. I needed to have something that I would continue to start to help people. Uh, so Zach Blend and, and I were talking and, and we said, okay, there's a mutual way we can help each other somewhere, some way. And uh, I started working with them. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you that one of the things that they did early on was they said yes. They were, they were called to act, and they saw a need and acted on it. Um, there's um, a great deal of kids that suffer from different situations. So what they saw, and they saw this need, and they said, okay, let's go out and figure out how to fix this, how to correct it. And they found a chunk of land, oh, I mean gorgeous chunk of land, in northwest Cherokee County. And they built a ranch, a boy's ranch. They put houses on the ranch, and they now put house parents in those houses where they could bring those teenage boys that were troubled and bring them up and love on them, teach them some Bible study, teach them some ways to, to cope and, and just care for them. So they created the ranch, and it's been a phenomenal, I mean, a ph phenomenal place, and has had a great, great impact on hundreds, which is awesome. So while they were there, they started seeing another need. What was happening was the teenage boys were aging out of the program, and they were going back to the life that they were in. 
We look at the population in the prisons today, and over 75% of them come from foster care. Pretty rough numbers. So what they saw was another need. So what they did is they acted on it. They said, you know what? We have to have a way to be able to, to, to speak in, to, to help these kids that are aging out of a program into another area that we can help in. And they started Goshen New Beginnings, which is serving the population of 18 to 22 kids. Now, these guys, they age out of the ranch time, and they can come in and be now mentored in a a townhome type facility where they're living in their own place and have a mentor that lives next door. Goshen says, okay, you go out and get a job and you have to save 50% of your salary. Goshen then matches 50% of their salary and they're able to live off the other 50. This mentor now is going to come alongside them and help them do the learning into adulthood. I said this earlier, it's funny. When I went back to being 18 years old, I had to learn how to write a check. Some of you don't even know what a check is. <laughs> but, but, but it was like a little piece of paper that you would write out and hand somebody to buy something with. <laughs> I didn't know those kind of things. I didn't know how to pay bills on time. I didn't know anything about that. So that age bracket is now being served by the mentor and they're helping them get placements and workplaces or if they want to get into school, they help them get in the process of getting into college or things like that. So it's a grand, it's an it's amazing, amazing program. But there was another need that they saw. The families would come up to visit the boys at the ranch and they would come in droves and carloads and they would have a wonderful time and they'd you know, be seeing their siblings and it'd be great. And then all of a sudden the siblings would pack up and they'd leave. And then the, the boys are left in this, this space of, there goes my family. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that we talk about is Goshen keeping families together. That's their goal. Their goal is to try to reunification and get families together. And, and that's what they try to do. So what they saw was a need. <clears throat> well, now they went out and established Goshen Homes. Goshen Homes is your traditional foster care families. However, with one big difference is they don't do singles. So Goshen keeps all of the kids together. So returning to that story of Johnny and Elizabeth where they're going to separate places and having to deal with it on their own in new circumstances. And yes, they're getting loved on, but remember they're apart. What Goshen does is, is finds foster parents who are going to take siblings and now those siblings are going to, even though they're removed from their regular home, at least they have one another in this strange new place. And even though that, that foster family may end up adopting them and or reunification happens and they're taken back to their regular families, which is what we all want, right? So that, that's what they took care of. However, Goshen then saw the need, which was always there, where the families didn't really have the right resources to keep from having their children taken in the first place. So if you don't know anything about this, what, but when a family is in, on the verge of losing their children uh, and if there's addictions or anything like that, they've got to go 
all the way across town to have a, a drug test. They've got to go all the way over here on the other side of town to go to a counselor. They may have to check in with a probationary officer or something, and they're doing all of this running around and absorbing time, and what is being missing is the neglect of the kids during that time, which is what got them in the, there in the first place. So what did Goshen do? They established their fourth division called Goshen Therapeutic Services. <clears throat> and what this is doing and aimed at is, is helping those families that are on the verge of losing their children and they're keeping it in-house. Everything that they can get from the therapeutic place, they don't have to go anywhere to do it. So the drug testing, the counseling, the checking in can all happen in one facility and they have more time to devote to their children and, and possibly keep them from being separated from their homes. An amazing, amazing service, which is exactly what they need to do. <coughs> um, there's many ways to serve alongside this ministry. Many ways. Um, not everyone is called to fostering. Not everyone is going to be the person that can give. But all of us can support through prayer. There's ways that you can plug in one way or another. The numbers are astronomical. From 2019 to 2022, there was an average of 230 kids in placement in Cherokee County. This year alone, the numbers are higher than they've ever been and have launched up over 500 in placement. So what we have is an unbelievable need. So <coughs> what um, I want to do is I want to just kind of circle back around for just a minute. Go send and support. We talked about how Everyone has a role. Yes, you can be a full-time foster parent. You can also be a part-time respite parent. You could be a babysitter. There's ways that you can give. There's ways that you can come up to the ranch and serve in large groups on a work day. There's places that you can get involved. Aside from that, the Word calls us to it. We look at Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in James 1.27, we say pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Yes, some of these kids aren't necessarily orphans. But remember that trouble that we talked about? that Jesus spoke about. He didn't say it just to blow smoke. He warned us, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. These kids, us, the trouble that we go through, we can lean on those closest to us. We can circle around and we can help them out. That phone call that I told you about to the buddy that might be in trouble. <laughs> Act. 
I, um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't claim to be perfect, and I don't, I, there was only one. He came among us. If we aim to be like we were created in the image of God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Christ Jesus, then we are aiming at becoming more like him. Sometimes in that, we have to respond to how we are leaned upon. If the Holy Spirit is nudging you to serve, then do so. It may be in the nursery. It may be holding a door. It may be marching over to the fire station and and blowing up balloons for kids on an open house day. But I'm going to tell you, there's plenty of opportunity and there's a lot of trouble out there. But I thank you... um, for your attentiveness and I pray that you listen and when he calls just say yes because I, 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 I'm going to tell you I've had kids come back 10 sometimes 15 years later and come up and say thank you for the impact that you made in my life in youth ministry I had no idea that I was going to have an impact on them. But when they came back, all I did was listen, and it impacted them. I had, it wasn't me. It was the Lord through me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.